so much for the way that you have been worshiping today. Thank you for your attendance here today. We travel a lot here at East Brainerd. Uh, there is a lot of back and forth that we do as a congregation, and we are, we are thankful that you are here to be with us. And if you are, are just traveling through or stopping by, you live here in town and first time with us, hey, you picked a great day. We got tacos coming up, all right? I mean, this is Taco Sunday. Didn't know if you saw the signs or not, but Taco Sunday is today, and we're going to spend a period of time and uh, Bible classes around our campus here in just a few moments, and when that concludes, uh, there's going to be uh, tacos for everybody, and you can come and join us in the Family Life Center, and we'll share that time together, continuing in the celebrations that we have already enjoyed today. Wasn't it great to see all of uh, the individuals who were baptized in 2016 up here, and their family, and different ones who um, were responsible for, for helping them in their journey, and Man, it was great to also have Tim and for Kevin and for their families to be up here and to, to hear Ron talk about the responsibilities of, of shepherds. And, and I, I just want you to know there are some great things that God is doing through the congregation here at East Brainerd. And I hope that you feel that. And I hope that you are excited about it. And I was trying to think, what... What do we need to, to maybe focus on just for a few minutes here as, as we kind of wrap up our, our time of, of worship with one another? And I thought about a passage from Paul's writings where he says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I started thinking, all right, if God is able to do that, then what should be our response to a God who is able to do more than we can even think of. How should you respond? How should we as a congregation respond? How should we respond as, as servants, as disciples, when we realize that we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? There has to be some kind of response from us. And so I started looking through Scripture, and, and I, settled on, I settled on something that is found in, in three different gospel accounts. It's in Matthew it's in John. I want us to focus on the wording that's in Mark. So if you would open up, find your Gospels. It's there in your New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pull out your phone. Find Mark chapter 14. I want you to look at something that is, that is here. All the time, I want you to be thinking, what should be your response? What should be your response when you realize that you indeed serve an awesome God. Mark chapter 14, it says, Now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. And while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. It was made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And some of those who were present began saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they began to rebuke her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. 
She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. How do you respond when you realize you serve an amazing God? It says she has this perfume of pure nard. It was... It's not a crazy thing for those who are around to say, listen, that could have been sold for a year's wages. Yard was, nard was a very valuable, that's hard to say, commodity. It was something that was easily shared. It was something that could be easily divided. You could talk about how much nard you would want or you could sell. And it was something that people loved to get their hands on. And so it became, in some ways, a 401k for many people during this time period. They didn't have the local Campbell's Union to support them after they got up to a certain age. They had to do other things to look out for themselves. And for many, they would invest in things such as the nard in order to make sure that their future was secure. Understand, this was something that was too good to use on herself. In fact, it was too good even to use on her brother. If we were to read John's account, you find out that the woman that's listed here in Mark is Mary, the the sister of Lazarus. You don't read about her breaking open the nard when Lazarus died, and yet nothing was too good for Jesus. Because how do you thank somebody who was raised from the dead, the person that you most love? Now, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have really thought less of Mary if she had just opened the bottle and if she would have just poured out just a little bit on her fingertip, and if she had just rubbed just a little bit across Jesus' forehead. We would have said that was a sensible gesture. That was a really nice thing to do. And yet, Mary goes further. She didn't care about what was sensible. Because you don't care what's sensible when your heart is filled with passion. And when your heart is filled with passion, you make sacrifices that that normally you would not make. You see, at its essence, a sacrifice is when you give up something that you really love because you have found something that you love even more. And we understand this, right? Maybe when you're You were in college and you would go to see your girlfriend. Perhaps you would drive for 300 miles just to have that weekend visit. And you would stay as long as you could until it was finally time for you to return home. And you would drive and you would get back and just in time to get up early and go to class the next morning. And all your buddies told you that you were crazy for being gone all weekend just for some girl. But you had passion and you had love. And because you had love, you made sacrifices. You see, show me what you sacrifice for, and I will show you what you love. Some people sacrifice their family for their job because their job is their love, and that's what you do when you love something. You sacrifice for it. Some people sacrifice their marriage for their children because they love their children, and that's what you do for the things you love. You sacrifice for them. Or maybe you sacrifice your marriage for golf because golf is your love. Or you sacrifice money and time on some kind of addiction because that is what you love. That's what we do. We sacrifice for it. And three of the gospel writers place this particular story right before the crucifixion story of Jesus. As a way to be able to show the world. As a way to be able to tell this is what you do when you've experienced Amazing 
love. Just a couple of takeaways from the text. We need to realize that poured out love is always extravagant. It's always extravagant. Think about this. The Bible never says, this is the least I can do and love God. You never find that anywhere in Scripture. It is the least amount that you can do to show your love for God. Why did the Psalms speak of, of holding up hands in praise to Him? Why does it talk about the fact that individuals fall face down to the ground? Why can't we just sit on our hands? Why can't we just go through life without ever singing a, a hymn of praise? Because real love is measured not in its calculation, but in its abandonment. It's David choosing to dance before the Lord. It is un bridled passion for a love that has been poured out upon us and so therefore we want to pour out as well. The most sacrificial act in all of human history began with these words, for God so loved the world that he gave. It costs something. See, a lot of people give to God but it doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't mean that God can't use the gift, it's just not God-like. It's only God-like love when there's cost involved. And that love is always going to be extravagant. Here's another takeaway. Poured out love is always an irritant. When you come face to face with the knowledge of a God who is able to do more than you could ever ask or imagine, you are going to respond oftentimes in ways that others who, don't, who do not know your God think is truly crazy. And it stands out. People get upset by other people who go over the top and express their love for God. Because some people know the cost of everything, but the value of nothing. They can tell you the price of any object, but they don't know what anything is worth. There were people who disapproved of Mary's actions, even some of Jesus' own disciples. John tells you that it was Judas, and it was because he, every once in a while, would go and take a little money out of the bag and keep it for himself. And I want you to imagine, here is actually what Judas is saying as they are complaining that too much is being poured out on Jesus. They're saying, hey, stop, because you're giving Jesus too much. You're giving Jesus too much. What are you thinking? You shouldn't be giving that much to Jesus. You shouldn't be wasting on Jesus. But radical discipleship is always going to be criticized. But I think the criticism often tells us more about the critic than the one who is actually being criticized. You see, the purpose of this particular story is to confront that spirit within us that says, what is the least that I can do and still make people think I can love God? How many church services do I have to go to? How do I need to dress? How, how, how many Bible lessons do I need to read? How many verses can I memorize and still make people think that I love God? You see, here's the deal. Your life should look foolish and reckless to people who love anything more than God. It should look strange. It should look crazy to anyone who loves anything or anybody more than they love Jesus. You're not going to receive their applause, but you are going to receive the applause of Christ. And so he speaks up. Even though he would not speak for his, on his own behalf when he would be on trial just a few hours later. He speaks up on behalf of Mary. He says, leave her alone. 
Stop bothering her. And by the way, when you read your Bible, it's a good idea to make note of the times that Jesus gets ticked off. All right? Make notice of the things that upset Jesus. He says, she's done a beautiful thing. And whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, notice the prophecy here. Jesus knows that his death is imminent. He knows also that the resurrection is coming. And he knows that there is good news that is going to be preached because of it. And he says, listen, whenever this is going to be preached, whenever the message about me is going to be shared, they're going to talk about this too. They're going to talk about this. They're going to mention Mary. You don't see Jesus praising any other act. You don't see Jesus saying at any other time, when they tell my story, they're also going to tell Peter's. You don't see him say, listen, when they tell my story, they're going to tell the story of the synagogue and all the worshipers. But he says, when they tell my story, they're going to tell Mary's. Because Jesus is saying, when you take my story and when you take the good news of my love and my sacrifice to the world, the world is going to ask, how should we respond? And the answer is like Mary. You respond like Mary. You see, many tell us to love But only God gives us the power to do so. On a similar occasion, a woman would come to Jesus and begin to pour perfume on him. And Jesus pointed to her motivation. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 7 and verse 47. He said, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven so that she has shown me much love. But the person who has been forgiven little shows very little love. Did you see it? Did you see how you you receive first and then you love second? See, too often we preachers have, we've fallen into the trap of skipping that first step. We we get up and we tell people, love like Mary. Have a Mary type love. Be extravagant. Go over the top. Do something that others notice because of the love that you have for Jesus. We say those things without instructing people about the love that God has truly poured out upon them. You see, instructing people to love without telling them that they are loved is like encouraging people to pay bills without ever making a deposit into their account. And so that's why I love 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. Listen to this. God showed how much he loved us, sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then after he makes this outrageous deposit into the love account, he says in verse 11, Dear friends, since God loved us this much, we should love one another. You see, the secret of loving is receiving. And and put another way, the secret of loving is living loved. When you talk about how do you respond to God? How do you respond as a church when you see individuals standing up here who this last year said, listen, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I trust Him for my salvation and I surrender myself over to Him and they're baptized into Christ and they've given this new life with a new spirit. How do you respond? What do you do when you witness that? When you see men and their families come before you 
willing to take on the responsibility of shepherding and of, of guiding, of, of, of sharing wisdom, of, of sharing hurts and pains, of rejoicing when you rejoice. How do you respond with that? When you realize that they do so because they serve an amazing God. I say that we should respond by giving more love. Begin by accepting your place as a dearly loved child. Ephesians 5 and verse 1, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ because he loves us. You see, the gospel is a greater love story. And at its essence and its core, it makes absolutely no sense apart from amazing love. Jesus said, when talking about this himself, that greater love has no one than this, and to lay down his life for his brother or for his sister or for his friends. And so greater love motivated Jesus to cover a debt that we ourselves could not pay down. And God poured out on him, not perfume, but wrath. And everything that your rebellion and everything that my sin deserved was poured out on Jesus. And I believe that. And I believe that Jesus is my substitute. And I believe that he died in my place. And I believe that I serve a God who can do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. And if I really believe that, then shouldn't my life look different from those who don't believe that? Shouldn't something be different? My God can do immeasurably more. Shouldn't I respond with over-the-top love? See, it's, this is a story about pouring out. This is a day about pouring out. It's about pouring out love to those who are new to Christ. It's about pouring out love to those who said, listen, I will walk beside you and serve with you. It's a day about pouring out love to friends and family that we see here, to individuals who are strangers that have come here for the first time. It's an opportunity for us to pour out love before God for what he has done for us. It's a story today that challenges us to love like Mary by sacrificing the things that we love for someone we love more. And so we sacrifice our smartphones with all their emails and to-do lists so that God receives more of our time and attention. We sacrifice dinners out at our favorite restaurant so that we can have more money to pour into God's kingdom. We sacrifice vacation time so that we can participate and mission opportunities. We sacrifice relationships that are far from pure so that we can be united with the God, with the Christ who makes us white as snow. And people are going to say that you're crazy. And people are going to watch the way that you worship and say, I don't get it. And people are going to see the way that you give and say you're giving too much. And people are going to see how that you're constantly pouring through your Bible and wonder why you're spending so much time. And they're going to see how that you're going to worship and how you're going on mission trips and how that you're constantly intervening in the lives of the poor and those who are downtrodden. And they're going to look and they're going to say, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? And you get to smile and say, I'm not crazy. I'm just in love. Because I've been loved. And my God can do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Friends, we've been forgiven so that we can forgive. We've been set free so that we can grant freedom. Freedom.
We've been rescued so that we can rescue. And we have been loved so that we can give love. I encourage you to be men and women who live poured out lives. A life that lives a love worth giving. We're going to sing again to encourage one another. That's why scripture says we come together so that we might encourage one another towards love and good deeds. And we want to give you the opportunity if you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning. If you'd like to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you would like to surrender yourself over because of your faith, understanding that there is no hope except through Jesus Christ. We want to give you the opportunity to let that be known and we'll celebrate with you. We want to give you the opportunity to come and, and, and maybe confess even more love for God and just say, you know what? I have not been a God lover. I have not been someone who has been extravagant with my love for God. And, and I want the prayers of this congregation so that I might be more over the top in the way that I respond to God because of how extravagant he's been toward me. We're going to sing to encourage one another. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to come as together we stand, we sing, and we give away our love.